We're going to be looking at a, f- a familiar story in the Bible that Jesus taught about, one that I have gone back and revisited again lately, and that's the parable of the Good Samaritan. And the story is so uh, famous and popular that we even have laws that are built off of this story of kindness and compassion. But as I have revisited this story, you know, that's the wonderful thing about the Bible is you can read something a hundred times and get something fresh every time. And that's been the story for me with the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. I have preached from this many times, but even so lately, I have seen something I had never saw before. Once again, the Lord just speaking to me in my own life. And uh, oftentimes I tell it, and it's true, that things that I preach are a reflection of what I'm experiencing in my own life and learning from the Lord. And so I'm excited to share with you this story today in Luke chapter 10 and verse 25 in the parable of the Good Samaritan. Jesus tells this uh, parable in response to a question. And the question was given with Uh, Really, it was a way to put Jesus, as the Bible says here, on a test. And this lawyer came to Jesus and tried to almost like put him in a bind with his words, as as was the occasion many times as you go through and you read the New Testament. The Pharisees and the scribes and teachers of the law always tried to question Jesus as if they were going to get him to stumble on his words. You know, that's, that's one thing that you should never do is mess with the one who is the Word of God, who created all things, who created our very being. And so uh, we have to be careful of that. And, but these folks didn't do that. But one thing that I noticed different about this story this time was uh, that it was a lawyer who stood up to test Jesus. And when you see the moments where Jesus is questioned, it's not normally a lawyer. It's normally a Pharisee or a scribe. And so this is an interesting occasion here that happens. And he, can, he, he starts off right. And he says, he calls him teacher, which was a, a good thing to do coming to Jesus, recognizing him as a teacher. And then he goes on and he asks the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And I'm just going to kind of uh, summarize this beginning passages here. And he tells them, of course, that the, the scripture that we all know that Jesus taught, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he says, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so then the Bible says this interesting thing about it, about the lawyer. Uh, Verse 28, the Bible says, And he said to him, You have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And this is really the big question of today. And not just the question of Jesus' day, but the question of our day. And I think this is worth a fresh visitation Because you're going to see today that who Jesus defines as our neighbor has nothing really to do with the person who lives next door. What you're going to see is what Jesus defines as our neighbor is bigger, greater, and broader than just the person who lives next door, not excluding them, even though they are our neighbor directly. And Jesus gives an answer that, quite frankly, disrupts the definition of what it means to be a neighbor. And he calls them to go a step further, as was the occasion Jesus often did. And so he tells them the story, and we're going to read it here today. 
He says there was a man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And I want you to note that he tells the story of a person who is on a journey from Jerusalem to Jericho. They are going a long distance. This is probably about a 15 mile or more journey from Jerusalem to Jericho. So it was definitely a long journey to be on by foot. And this person fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, they beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. And now by chance, I love how Jesus says, by chance, as if it really was by chance. There was a purpose here in Jesus' story. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. It's as if he was walking down a sidewalk and he noticed that there was someone laying on the ground and instead of even bothering that person, asking him, is he okay? Is everything all right? Can I get you anything? He just silently scooted to the other side of the road and went around. And a, like, a similar encounter happened next. And so likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him. And when he saw him, he was moved with pity. And he went to him and he bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. And then he put him on his own animal and brought him to an inn. And he took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. And when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. And Jesus asked this final question in response to the lawyer's question. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. This morning I want to talk to you about mercy wins. Mercy wins. This story here is, is a story about compassion and kindness. It's a story about discovering who our neighbor is in the Christian faith. And it's a story about loving one another. But more than that, this is a story about mercy. And we don't talk about mercy, and I, I don't hear a lot of sermons preached on mercy, and I myself have not preached a lot of sermons on mercy. But Jesus draws the attention of this parable to the key word of mercy. And he tells them that who, this story is a story about mercy. The one who showed him mercy is the one who Jesus defined as a neighbor. And so we have to kind of explore this morning before we really unpack all of this is who Jesus ultimately defined as my neighbor. Who is my neighbor? You'll notice that in this story, the hero is not a priest or a Levite. It would seem like that should be the likely hero of this story, but that is not the likely, that is not the hero of this story. The hero is not a priest or a Levite. The hero of this story, watch this, is an enemy of the Jews. What an, an, an unusual thing. The Samaritans were an unwelcome people group to the Jews. They were enemies. They despised one another. Or the Jews, rather, are the ones who despised the Samaritans. Looked down on the Samaritans, considered them an outcast people group, and constantly uh, carried around uh, pre-notions pre, uh, about the people group in their mind. Preconceived notions, that's the word I was looking for. So the story 
is not only about stopping to help those whom we have been taught to mistrust or have had bitter conflict with. It is also about putting ourselves in the skin of those who are on the side of the road, almost half dead, destitute, despairing in our lives all the time around us. It's a story of mercy. And so I want you to get this today, that Jesus said our neighbor is the one who shows mercy. A neighbor is one who shows mercy. Jesus said it even greater in the Beatitudes. He said, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. There is something about in the kingdom of God, and as you're going to see here today, that when we give mercy, mercy is in turn distributed back to us. Jesus said that in the Beatitudes. Jesus says it throughout his teachings, as you'll see this morning. James talks about that as well, that when mercy is given, there is an expectation that you can receive mercy back once again. And so mercy is defined as this, if we don't know, so we can all kind of come to a, a mutual understanding of what mercy is. Mercy is this, compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is in within one's power to punish or harm. That's what mercy is. Mercy is when we should have received a punishment or when we should have received a consequence that was due to us. Instead of receiving that punishment or receiving that consequence, instead there was compassion shown towards us. And that's what God did towards us in sending his son. And what you see this morning in this story is it wasn't the Levite or the priest who showed mercy. It was the Samaritan who showed mercy. The most unlikely of all of the candidates that Jesus could have possibly come up with to show mercy, it was the Samaritans. And Jesus constantly in his ministry, as you see in John chapter 4 in the story of the Samaritan woman, Jesus continually affirmed the position of those whom the Jews called their enemies. And he elevated them to a place that was compassionate toward them. And what you see in Jesus' ministry is a lifestyle of mercy, of breaking down those who were full of judgment towards a certain people group and instead giving them mercy. And so this story is just the beginnings of how he demonstrates that in this parable. And so a few things that we're going to see about mercy that wins. Mercy wins. The first thing is this is mercy errs on the side of compassion. Mercy errs on the side of compassion. The priest and the Levite avoided the man because they erred on the side of caution. The priest and the Levite were both bound by ceremonial laws that said they were not supposed to be near someone who was... A, that blood was exposed or who was unclean or who they thought was even dead. It was a ceremonial practice to not touch that person. And so therefore bound by the law is really what Jesus was showing. They were bound by the law. They could not help that person. Even if the priest wanted to, even if the Levite wanted to, they ceremonially were not allowed to do that because of the law, because of tradition. And so therefore, they erred on the side of caution. Their tradition, their ritual kept them from caring. And the Samaritan, in, in, likewise in, the, in this story, the Samaritan was not bound by ritual or tradition. And so therefore, when the law, when the bondage of the law was lifted, the Samaritan came in like a rushing mercy shown to this person and showed them on the side of compassion. He not only came to him and cared for him, 
The Samaritan went above and beyond. And this is really a picture of what Jesus was trying to demonstrate to the Pharisees and to the Sadducees is that the law was, they had created something that was like bondage. It was a weight that no one could bear, bear on their shoulders. And so Jesus was showing them when you lift that bondage off of their shoulders, what comes out of that is compassion, mercy, love. And what happened from the Samaritan was more than that. He went to him, he bandaged his wounds. He poured oil and wine on them. He put him, this man picked him up, put him on his animal. Imagine that for a moment. And then walked him all the way to an inn. He not only said that, he paid for his stay. Then he not only said that, he said to the innkeeper, if it's any other cost, I'll pay you when I come back. He went above and beyond. And this is what Jesus was trying to show them, was that when you err on the side of caution, when you err on the side of of always being bound by tradition or ritual or some preconceived notion, we will miss out on the opportunities to care, to love, to show compassion, to show mercy. So the Samaritan, he was not bound by this. And there is really a word of caution to us today in our culture, in our, the society that we live in, is what tradition or preconceived notions in our mind, preconceived judgments are keeping us from erring on the side of compassion. When you and I look at someone, what is keeping us when we see they have need and we don't help? What is keeping us from helping them? The Bible says that if we see our brother, our sister in need and we don't help them, this Bible says that we're lacking what he calls the bowels of compassion, an inward moving to help someone. And so the difference is that the Samaritan identified the man's shared humanity. And this is what is really the, the, the main point in the Samaritan's compassion, is that even though they were cultural enemies, I want you to see this today, they were cultural enemies. This, was, this would have been as if the story of almost, you hear of some of the Nazis and the Jews and the stories of compassion that happened. There are some amazing stories that happened. There was such a tension in this culture, and I want you to capture this. Even though they were cultural enemies, this did not hinder the Samaritan from caring for this man. Even though there was a preconceived societal standard that said the Jews hate us, they don't welcome us. The Samaritan didn't see that. He didn't see culture. He didn't see some cultural tradition in front of him. Instead, what he saw was a person. Instead, what he saw was a person who was half dead, who was bleeding, who was in need. Perhaps the Samaritan couldn't even recognize that the person that he saw was even in such a state that he couldn't make out whether he was a Jew or not. He just saw him as someone who was in need of help. And this is what I want you to see today, is that he recognized, too, that he was human. Oftentimes, when, when caution keeps us from exhibiting compassion, it's because we lose sight of the shared humanity that we have with one another. We tend to focus on the thing that we don't like about the person or the thing that seems wrong instead of looking right to the person themselves and seeing how do they need help. Does Jesus love them? Of course Jesus loves them. If God loves them, then I should love them too. And instead of focusing on the thing that we don't like about the person or their unpleasant qualities, instead, you and I, we have to do like the Samaritan and look at the person themselves. See the person in their state of pain. 
The Samaritan could have said he had every excuse to do just like the priest and the Levite and walk right past him. I'm not going to help that person. That, those Jews, they talk bad about my family. I'm not going to help him. Forget about him. Let him die there. That could have been this, the Samaritan story. The Samaritan could have said, just yesterday, I passed a Jew on the road and he called me some ugly name. I'm not going to help him. But no, the, the Samaritan didn't do that. He looked past all the preconceived cultural things, assumptions, and saw a person that was in pain and need of compassion and instead was moved to help them. The Samaritan's acts of compassion didn't necessarily change the fact that they were cultural enemies. But as you're going to see today, mercy always wins. Mercy always wins. You can never go wrong distributing mercy because Jesus said, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. When you and I give mercy, there is never anything wrong about giving mercy. It is blessed, Jesus says. It is blessed by God. If Jesus calls it blessed, then you and I should be a part of it because it is blessed. Always err on the side of compassion. Mercy errs on the side of compassion. James talks about this in, the, in greater detail in James chapter 2 and verse 8. He says this, You do well if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture. Notice here how there's a similarity to the story that we just read. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, but if you show partiality... Watch this. This is what James is talking about. He's showing them the sin of partiality. He says, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. What does he mean by partiality? There was a problem, and James talks about this in greater detail, that certain people were coming in amidst the congregation that didn't necessarily identify with the same cultural background or traditions. And so there was people who weren't loving them like they were supposed to. They weren't embracing them like they were supposed to. There was partiality. Well, we'll welcome them from a distance. You can come in, but I'm not going to be your friend. There was that kind of thought that I'm just going to keep my distance from you. But James says this, for whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. For the one who said you shall not commit adultery also said you shall not murder. Now if you do not commit adultery, but if you murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged by the law of liberty. And watch what he says. For judgment will be without mercy to anyone who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. This has become a theme verse for me lately. As I have seen our culture and the world we're living in, in all the divisions and things that are separating us, whatever it may be, there are, you could name a million things that are separating people nowadays. And I have thought to myself, if our world could just grab a hold of this thing right here, that mercy triumphs over judgment, what a change it would bring to our world. How it would flip the world upside down. Because when mercy triumphs over judgment, there is no erring on the side of caution. There is no seeing someone and uh, holding back love because of whatever factor, race, culture, background, uh, economic status. There is this freedom to go and embrace them and love them because mercy triumphs judgment. And this is what we need. Our world needs. But more than the world, the church needs this. The believers need this. We all need this today. Uh, starting with this guy right here. We need mercy that triumphs judgment in our lives. Every day as we are interacting with people, loving people. If Jesus said we shall love our neighbor as ourselves, 
then we have to ask the question, would I want my neighbor to judge me? Would I want my neighbor to hold back love from me, compassion from me? No, we wouldn't want that. So mercy triumphs over judgment. Let's not be guilty of the sin of partiality, holding back love because of whatever factor that we might have in our mind. Listen, every person in this world, I want you to hear me today. Every person in this world is deserving of God's love. Because God sent his son. And so if God sent his son for them, then we, you and I are called to love them as if God loves them. You and I are called to embrace every person. Be careful of any person who says that person shouldn't receive love. Be careful of any heart motive that embraces inside of us that says, I don't know about that. Listen, you and I have got to get to the place where we move, take the blinders off and look past sin, look past darkness and see a person. See a person who was created in the image of God. See a person who God breathed the breath of life into their nostrils and brought them up from the dust of the ground. See a person that God sent his own son and died on a cross for them. Mercy triumphs over judgment. The next thing you're going to see here in the story is that when the Samaritan came, mercy was freely given. Mercy was freely given. Did this man deserve, this, this man who was beat by the robbers, did this man deserve the kindness of the Samaritan? Absolutely not. In the world of fairness and judgment, no. In our, in our scope of justice, no, he didn't. But Jesus said he did. Mercy isn't given because someone deserves it. Mercy is given because there is faith in God's redemptive work. Their mercy is to be freely given. Mercy isn't given because you and I see someone and we make an estimate. Well, I think they deserve my help today. No, that's not what Jesus says. Mercy is to be freely given because mercy has nothing. This is the amazing thing about mercy. Mercy has nothing to do with us. Mercy has absolutely nothing to do with us. It's based on who God is. Because if there is a God who is good, then there are people on this earth who are deserving of mercy because it's not based on who we are. It's based on God's goodness. Jesus said this when there was a story about in Matthew chapter 9 about a man who was born blind and they were, they were wondering and people questioned him. This happened on a couple occasions. They questioned whether what Jesus was doing and his motives. And he said, go and learn this. I want you to go and learn this. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Because there were a people who were more consumed about how they got to the temple and fulfilled their ritual duty instead of giving mercy, walking right past the people outside of the temple who were begging for money, who needed mercy every day of their lives, but they missed the opportunity to distribute mercy. So Jesus said, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Our world is full of people who are in need of God's mercy, just like you and I. And you and I have been called to freely give it. Just unload mercy. Just pour out mercy. Don't, don't go through your mind all the possible reasons why or why not the person deserves mercy. I've done that. And listen, I've discovered that I've missed out on some of the best friendships of my life, some of the best relationships of my life. When I have taken off of the judgments, when all the things that I could possibly go from my mind, and I've laid it down and I said, you know what, God, that person, they need your mercy today. And I have discovered some of the best friendships to come out of that. Some of the most rewarding relationships in my life have come out of the moments when I said, Lord, I'm going to lay down all the preconceived notions and just freely give mercy. Freely we have received, so freely we shall give. Jesus said, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. 
The other thing you're going to see about this is that mercy knows no bounds. Mercy knows no bounds. Jesus disrupted the definition of a neighbor. There was always, as you in our culture today, there was an assumption that a neighbor was the person who lived in proximity to me. The person who lives next door, the person who lives down the hall, the person who lives upstairs, those are my neighbor. But Jesus disrupted the definition of neighbor. And this is really important for us to see because really what Jesus does is he redefines neighbor. He opens up Merriam-Webster and he says, let's scrap that for a moment. Look, this is really what a neighbor is. Being a neighbor isn't based on proximity. And this is what Jesus showed them. They were on a journey from Jerusalem to Jericho. They were in the middle of nowhere. They were in the middle of a long journey of walking. People were tired. Of course, there were bandits and robbers who were hiding in the clefts of the rock, waiting for someone to pounce on them at the right moment, as Jesus demonstrated in this parable. That's exactly what, hap what happened. But mercy knows no bounds. Mercy isn't about location or a defined place. Mercy knows no bounds. Mercy is freely given at any place, at any time. It's not based on the person next door. It's not based on people I'm comfortable with. Mercy is for all places at all times. It knows no bounds. And that's what Jesus demonstrated in this story, was that even when you leave Jerusalem and the people that you are comfortable calling neighbor, even when you're away from them and you're in a place that is uncomfortable and unknown, even that place, those are your neighbors. And you and I, we have got to learn in our lives today that mercy isn't about always being comfortable. It isn't always about giving to the people that make us feel good. Mercy knows no bounds. If God sent his son to give us mercy, then you and I, we have got to give mercy to every person that God gives us an opportunity to. Why? Because mercy always wins. Mercy always wins. Mercy knows no bounds as the musicians come. This Samaritan, the beautiful thing about this story is Jesus brought them back to the picture of this. Jesus asked them a simple question. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And he said, the one who showed him mercy. The one who showed him mercy. I hope today that when you and I read the story of the parable of the Good Samaritan, or when we see someone in need, or when we see our brother or sister struggling, that the first thing that comes to our mind, and I, God give us the grace to do it all, we all need God's help to do that, love in our hearts, is that the first thing that would come is mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And there are a million reasons why the people around us, and you and I both, do not deserve the help of someone else. But the Bible teaches us that mercy triumphs judgment. Mercy always wins. And I'm convinced today that a church that understands more and more what it means to be a church of the merciful is a church that will experience the power and presence of God unlike any time ever before. Because when mercy triumphs judgment, what happens is, is all the barriers that separate us, all the things that would keep us divided, all, they're thrown out the window. 
And what happens is when mercy triumphs judgment, there is this unity that happens. There is a coming together that happens because we are merciful with one another. We desire mercy more than we desire division and separation. And so when that happens, what becomes the central piece of all that we're doing is Jesus because you can't have mercy apart from Jesus. There is no mercy apart from God. Otherwise, it's just a good deed. But mercy, true mercy, only happens because of Jesus. And a church that understands this is a church that will be unified. And the Bible shows us over and over again throughout the book of Acts that when the Bible, when the church was in one mind and one accord, what happened? God's presence came. God blessed God gave them grace to do the work that they, it didn't matter how many people, God just added to it. Why? Because it was a place of mercy. Mercy always wins. You know, I think about it like this. I, you, you might have been one of those people who are wrestling fans at some point in your life, but I always have this picture in my mind when I think about wrestling. I see them holding up that belt. And I just think about what would happen if over our heads was the belt of mercy that we have championed mercy here more than anything else because you and I are stories of mercy that while we were bound by sin while you and I we were left in the pit that Satan threw us in bound by sin there was a God who came down out of heaven and showed us mercy we didn't deserve it no Jesus could have walked right by us and that would have been okay because it was the punishment that was due to us but that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us and aren't you grateful today that God showed us mercy? Amen. Let's stand this morning. Let's stand. Let's stand this morning. Oh, God, help us to have mercy today. God, give us mercy this morning. This morning, I want to encourage you today. If we could all agree today, this morning you feel led this morning to come and stand here at the front that God I want to be a person full of mercy the merciful because mercy wins God help us today to be a church full of mercy if you would agree with us today could I just invite you to come and stand here at the front this morning just come and let's agree together this morning we're gonna be a people of mercy today just come this morning whoever feels led just come and then find a brother or sister this morning and agree together and pray one for another that God would give them mercy and give us mercy that we could show mercy to the world just a little bit let's begin this morning a time of praying one for another Lord help my brother